Some of them were in such bad shape that they wanted nothing more than to survive the journey. A few minutes in Malmo was neither here nor there. The captain, however, continued to explain the decision as if to a superior. The order came over the radio. This stop wasn't part of my itinerary. The ship's horn sounded as the docks of Malmo Harbor became visible in the mist. A flock of seagulls circled. The ship moored at the end of the pier. Two sailors disembarked and started jogging along the pier. Between them they carried a big empty basket, the kind washerwomen used to haul wet laundry up to the attic to hang out. A crowd of women on bicycles was waiting at the approach to the pier. There must have been fifty of them, motionless and silent, gripping their handlebars. Many wore black headscarves. They looked like ravens perched on a branch. It was only when the sailors reached the barrier that Miklos noticed the parcels and baskets hanging from the handlebars. He felt the captain's hand on his shoulder. Some mad rabbi by the name of Kronheim dreamed this up, the captain explained. He placed an ad in the papers saying that you people were arriving on this ship. He even managed to arrange for us to dock here. Each of the women dropped her parcel into the big laundry basket. One standing slightly back let go of her handlebars and her bicycle fell over. From where he sat on deck, Miklos heard the clang of the metal on the cobblestones. Given the length of the pier, this is quite inconceivable. Yet, whenever my father told this story, he always included the clang. Once they had collected all the packages, the sailors jogged back to the ship. This scene remained fixed in Miklos's mind. An improbably empty pier, the sailors running with the basket, and in the background the strange, motionless army of women and their bicycles. The parcels contained biscuits that these nameless women had baked to celebrate the arrival of the survivors in Sweden. As my father tasted the soft, buttery pastry in his toothless mouth, he could detect vanilla and raspberry flavors so unfamiliar after years of camp food that he almost had to relearn them. Sweden welcomes you, grunted the captain as he turned away to give orders. The ship was already heading out to sea. Miklos sat savoring his biscuits. High among the clouds, a biplane drew away, dipping its wings in salute. When he saw it, my father began to feel he was truly alive. By the end of the first week in July 1945, Miklos was in a crowded 16-bed hospital ward, a barracks-like wooden hut in a remote village called Larbro on the island of Gotland. Propped up against a pillow, he was writing a letter. Sunlight poured through the window and nurses in crisply starched blouses, white bonnets, and long linen skirts darted between the beds. He had beautiful handwriting, shapely letters, elegant loops, and just a hair's breadth between each word. When he finished his letter, he put it in an envelope, sealed it, and leaned it against the jug of water on his bedside table. Two hours later, a nurse called Catherine picked it up and dropped it in the post box with the other patient's mail. Miklos rarely got out of his hospital bed. 
but two weeks after writing his letter, he was allowed to sit out in the corridor. Each morning the post was handed out, and one day a letter came for him, straight from the Swedish office for refugees. It contained the names and addresses of 117 women, all of them young Hungarians whom nurses and doctors were trying to bring back to life in various temporary hospitals across Sweden. Miklos transcribed their details into a thin exercise book with square-ruled paper he had found somewhere. By this time, he had recovered from the dramatic pronouncement he had received a few days earlier. Pressed against the X-ray machine, Miklos had done his best not to move. Dr. Lindholm shouted at him from the other room. The doctor was a gangling figure, at least six foot six tall, and he spoke a funny sort of Hungarian. All his long vowels sounded the same, as if he were blowing up a balloon.